always to listen to um, everyone and to respect their opinion and to try to learn from them. Even if it's someone uh, who you don't interact with so much, you can find some valuable from them and something uh, that uh, this person does better than you. And maybe you can even gain some inspiration or valuable skills or advice. This podcast shows that Ukraine is not what foreigners see on television. In reality, Ukrainian people are much better, much more interesting and friendly than other people expect. This podcast is about the real life experiences, work and personalities of Ukrainian people with a focus on the capital Kiev, so that foreigners discover the positive truth about Ukraine, hear the voices of Ukrainians, visit the country and invest in the economy, creating more opportunities for the younger Ukrainian generations to stay and build their country. Hello, my name is Aziz and I have a deep connection with Ukraine. My grandfather volunteered in 1987 to help liquidate the Chernobyl chemical radiation because he believed in humanity. He was a real hero for me and even though He struggled with cancer after that for the rest of his life. He always told me many great things about Ukraine and its people. Then from 2018 to 2019, for two years, I began working with UNICEF in Ukraine to help build orphanages for the children who lost their families in the war. I couldn't return to Ukraine in 2020 because of COVID-19. So this project is my volunteer work to help Ukraine. And thank you all so much for the support. This podcast now is ranking number one on Apple Podcasts about Ukraine. Top 100 travel podcasts in Switzerland. Top 60 travel podcasts in the United Kingdom. Top 30 in the Netherlands. Top 30 in Spain. Top 25 on Apple Russia. And top 20 on Apple Poland. My guest today is Diana Sobalieva. From co-founding and co-organizing the TEDx Youth at Miss Hall's school, to being a counselor at the Peace Corps summer camp, to being a city representative at the American Councils for International Education and FLEX, organizing more than 30 community service events in Kharkiv, from the International School of Tomorrow, to the summer immersion program at Girls Who Code to being accepted at Miss Hall School, one of the most exclusive and difficult girls' schools in the world. She spent a year in Minnesota as a finalist of the Future Leaders Exchange Program, FLEX. She was a director of outreach for global youth entrepreneurs and an engineer girl ambassador at the National Academy of Engineering in the U.S., an international consultant at the International Youth Neuroscience Association, and a member at Girls in Science for SDGs at the Royal Academy of Science International Trust. Diana, how are you today? Thank you. I'm doing great. I'm happy, excited, and looking forward to this interview. So to begin, really, what could we say were the meaningful moments in your life that made you the Diana of today? 
I think one of the most transforming moments in my life was when I went on my exchange program to Minnesota, as you mentioned in the in, in the intro. Uh, and I that was the time when I realized how much I love my country and how much I miss it. Uh, so I uh, received a scholarship uh, called FLEX, or Future Leaders Exchange, to go to Minnesota for one academic year. And I lived there with a host family and um, went to, to school. And uh, uh, in one year, um, it was an amazing experience to explore the world, to live in another country, to see how people, people live there and find uh, incredible connections. But I also miss Ukraine and our way of life, our traditions. I was so proud to represent Ukraine uh, and be a cultural ambassador because I also had a lot of uh, friends, not only from uh, America, but also from other countries. So I was able to uh, give several presentations about Ukraine uh, to them. I, uh, I even danced some Ukrainian dances and we listened to some songs. So it was a great experience of um, interacting with so many people from different countries. But I also um, would say that I'm, I'm, I'm defined by the active network of Ukrainian people and my friends whom I found after the FLEX program and during other events and similar projects in Ukraine. Uh, I think that um, FLEX gave me this opportunity to find a huge network of like-minded peers in Ukraine and people with whom I could um, create uh, my own projects and volunteer and uh, do anything we really want. Thank you. And so to ask about something, you said you missed Ukraine when you went on the Flex Exchange program. I want to be more specific about two things. What did you miss the most about Ukraine? And how was that somewhat of a culture shock or adaptation or difference that you noticed when you went to the U.S. to live compared to life in Ukraine? Um, I think my biggest cultural shock was just the mentality, the difference in mentality between people in Ukraine and in the United States. Actually, when I was um, a volunteer at a Peace Corps camp in Ukraine that you also mentioned before, uh, I met one of American uh, volunteers and Peace Corps uh, volunteers who came to Ukraine. And she said that American people um, are like peaches. They're soft on the outside, but more, um, but more uh, hard on the inside. But Ukrainian people are like eggs because they may seem hard on the outside, but they're very soft inside. And I think this sums up uh, the mentality very well because U Ukrainian people uh, may not seem as outgoing, and um, we we don't do this, like small talks or smiling with strangers and everyone we meet on the streets, but uh, we uh, value deep connections. And uh, for us, it's very important to have deep relationships and friendships and connections. So um, I think this was uh, just one difference. It's, I wouldn't say it's in, in any way better or worse in, to have this uh, mentality like in America or like people in Ukraine do. It's just different. And when I was in the Flex program, we also had this um, saying, not better, not worse, just different. And it, it was amazing to sum up my whole life in Minnesota and in Ukraine. Uh, there are so many differences, but it didn't mean that something was better or, or worse. Uh, it, mean, it just meant that every, everything had their own positives and uh, negatives. 
Uh, and it was just more important to notice good things about my life in America and my life in Ukraine. So this difference in mentality was um, number one um, number one difference between um, America and uh, Ukraine. But I also missed people and connections I have in Ukraine. As I mentioned before, I have this network of people from Flex and other projects that makes us so close together and makes us friends, even though we live in different cities and we may see each other once or twice uh, in several years, but we still, we're, we're still uh, close and we have the same idea to, to, we have the same idea to change something, to fight for issues that are important to us. And that is something I missed a lot when I was uh, in America. Thank you. So it seems to me that people are very important to you and I even mentioned in the introduction yeah, that you organized at least 30 events in Kharkiv community events as part of uh, being a city representative. And, to, and also you mentioned that throughout the different programs, you met great people, you built friendships, and those people are like-minded and they want to change something, whether in Ukraine or in the world. And that maybe in the U.S., it's not the same, but still, like you said, when you went there, you were involved and influenced by people and the mindset of not better, not worse, just different, which is wonderful. And at the same time, you're very fascinated and passionate and interested and working hard on scientific topics and subjects. So two things. What is the most interesting thing for you about science? Why is it so important for you specifically? And the second, how do you um, make these two facets of yourself in harmony and work together? Because normally people who are into community and bonds, like you mentioned, are highly emotional. While the stereotype of a scientist is a very logic-based non-emotional person. So how do you marry both? Oh, thank you for this question. That's actually very interesting. Uh, so uh, I, would, I was actually interested in science since I was little. Um, my grandmother is a scientist. She's a physicist. Uh, so she inspired me a lot uh, since she was also one of the few women in her like laboratory where she worked and also in the university because there are not many women who wanted um, who wanted or were even allowed to study such difficult uh, fields. So I got interested in biology a lot and astronomy. So um, I was able to pursue this interest at Miss Hall School because we have a lot of resources. And I was just lucky to have my grandmother as my role model. But I also think uh, that people, um, they um, underrate the importance of soft skills in science. Uh, I think that a true scientist is not only who can solve math problems or think logically, but it's also a person who can think critically and also write well and understand and debate. So uh, soft skills are very, very important. And I'm uh, right now I'm concentrating on improving my writing skills because I believe that as a scientist, I need to be a good writer in order to be a critical thinker and um, a logical thinker. I need to connect ideas well and to try and to persuade and to state my uh, my ideas. 
And also, um, I uh, and about how I connect science and my passion for community service is uh, through organizing events that would help girls like me and inspire them to pursue science in the future. Uh, like you said, I organize a project for engineering uh, girls in engineering and introduce middle school girls to science, and that is fun and uh, that, that is worth pursuing in the future. Uh, and also, um, I'm a part of the organization called Girls in Science for uh, SDGs of, of the Royal Academy of Sciences. And right now, we are writing um, a book, um, and I'm contributing to one of its chapters, which is called Science, Diplomacy, and Society. So it's basically on a um, field called Science Diplomacy, which is a very new field, and it's actually uh, connecting both science and a community service or advocacy or like soft skills. So science diplomacy is something, is using power of science to connect countries uh, who are at conflict or to promote scientific, um, uh, scientific uh, progress. So for example, right now we have coronavirus and as we can see, uh, we were able to achieve something that was unimaginable before, uh, vaccines that usually took like, several years or decades to create. They were created in under a year, which is a huge progress for science. And this was, uh, was able to be uh, completed due to the collab collaboration of scientists across different countries. And this is the basis of science diplomacy. So, so that scientists uh, not only need to be involved in scientific uh, research or other work, but they ha also have to be involved in diplomacy or politics and to influence decisions that um, that would help us prevent future pandemics or a different crises like like climate crisis, for example. And the same goes uh, another way with diplomats. The diplomats not only need to be able to talk to each other and try to arrive at the common ground, but they also have to think critically to be able to understand and know science, because without um, without those two mediums, both science and diplomacy, uh, being together, we, we would not be able to achieve. Um, the progress we can uh, we can today. So this was um, one of the ch chapter I was writing, um, and um, I finished recently. And we had um, very good news. Uh, our book will be launched uh, in May on the on the meeting of um, ECOS ECOSOC, um, Economic Security Council of the United Nations. So this is um, where our book will be presented. Wonderful, really great news. And if I understood correctly, there are a few things. It's because your grandmother was a scientist and in her laboratory, maybe she was the only one or there were only a couple that inspired you to be a source and an ambassador and an encourager of women in science and women in tech. So that's one thing. The second that you view that a real scientist is not only someone who thinks well, but who is a good communicator. And even you went further that there is a systematic relationship where the better communicator you are and the better able to link ideas, the better you improve your critical thinking skills. And therefore you become a better thinker and a better scientist. So please comment on these, whether this is a correct understanding, as well as Let's speak about Diana as the person. When you are not Diana the scientist, what do you like to do 
that really, really fills you with joy and fulfillment, whether that can be a kind of sport or meditation or walk or anything that is somewhat of a hobby that is meaningful for you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, uh, this was actually a great summing up of what I said. It covered everything perfectly. And uh, as to what you asked about me as a person, so me doing something at my free time, it's, it's also a very interesting question because I don't uh, have as much time now as I used to, but I still try to do things that are meaningful to me. Uh, so, for example, uh, recently I started a new hobby and I started writing poetry. Uh, and uh, I really uh, try to find as much time as I can for this. And I at least uh, spend 20 minutes writing every day so I don't um, stumble into a writer's block. Uh, so um, right now I'm writing poetry, but also in the future um, I want to take several online courses on Coursera about creative writing and writing uh, creative nonfiction. So this is uh, one of the things I like. And also, it also connects to what I said before, that I want to be a better writer, to, um, to be a better communicator. Yes, and that's why I'm doubting it a little bit, because is this a self-improvement useful thing as a scientist? Or if you love it truly, let's speak about that, poetry specifically, or creative writing. Because I noticed, yes, this is like the uh, incarnation and embodiment of your desire to be a better writer and communicator. So, poetry, what is your favorite thing about it? Is it the imagery? Is it the words? Is it the sound? Is it the emotions it evokes? Or what is the best part for you about poetry and or creative writing? Uh, yeah, actually, uh, I haven't been writing for too long. Uh, it's been my recent hobby, although I did some writing when I was younger. Uh, but I um, started it um, last month, and I am so sad that I didn't start it earlier. I, I really love it, and um, I wish I, I discovered it earlier. So uh, my favorite thing about poetry is the ability to say so much with so little words and also having the difficulty to put um, all the context and words uh, into structured poems that have both rhythm and rhyme. Because I try to um, create a rhyme pattern for my poems, so sometimes it's really hard to find a word that rhymes and still would convey the same meaning I want. So this is uh, kind of a challenge. But it's, um, when I finish writing my poem, it's, it's an amazing feeling. Uh, I love rereading it. I've reread my poems so many times. Uh, that it just makes me happy and fulfilled. And, and I, sometimes I can just um, walk outside and I can come up with some idea uh, for a poem and I have to write it down before I forget it. And as soon as I get home, I start writing. Or even before I fall asleep, uh, I'm lying in my bed and I have all those ideas. Also, I can wake up in the middle of the night and write down something fast before I forget. So it was just um, this creative, trying to come up with something creative, trying to some come to come up with something that nobody uh, has written before, something that is uniquely mine, uh, but could be inspired by something else, either by something that I see, my experiences, or either by other people's work. 
I love that. And please take notes because these will be three questions, but it's wonderful you said. When you finish a poem, you feel a sense of joy and fulfillment that is amazing. Where else in the past or in your life did you have a similar kind of emotional high that was caused probably by something else since poetry is a recent kind of hobby? That's the number one. Second, are you more of an introvert because you're speaking about poetry and laying in bed and walking in the forest or in nature, etc., which are more of an introverted kind of hobbies? And of course, that can match a scientist kind of way. But then how do you combine that with being a community leader and organizing commuting community activities? And third, which might be both the most interesting and might be a bit more difficult. It seems to me that, and please correct me if this is wrong, you are someone who loves to play with ideas. You have loved to play in the field of the intellect, which can also sometimes mean that you can be a bit less focused on the uh, physical kind of way or the presence in the moment. So I have to ask, are you also athletic, highly athletic, or is your strength in your intellect? And second, which is very important, do you tend to live daydreaming about the future and thinking about the past rather than being present in the moment, which can be really a manifestation and a logical conclusion from what I said, that even in bed, you're not laying to feel the bed, but you're thinking about the ideas, or when you walk in the forest, you might look at the tree, but you use it as a springboard for other ideas, which is a very intellectual pursuit. Can you comment on these three and mm -hmm. let me know more? Thank you. Yeah, those are great questions too. Uh, so first, um, I'll talk about something that also brings me joy and those emotional highs you said. So it's definitely uh, working um, on the, my community service projects. Uh, I don't think it's very surprising. But when I am working on the same project for over a year, I love this feeling of seeing, seeing it um, finished. Not because I don't enjoy working on it, but just uh, seeing all of my work and all of my dreams and all of my um everything I did for this project come into reality is amazing. Uh, and I even remember I started doing similar community service projects when I was around 14 or 15. And um, even then I had this amazing feelings. Uh, I remember I um, had some project and then I came home and I was, so, I was just so happy. I had this cheerful look in my face and my, my mom just saw me and she said, oh, I see from your face that everything went well. And that is actually true because um, I just love um, this feeling, feeling of seeing my hard work being implemented in those projects that actually can help other people and somehow positively contribute into the world. And I just love seeing my efforts come, come true. And second, um, I wouldn't say I am an extrovert or an introvert. I think I'm somewhere more in the middle. I heard this term called ambivert, which is something said something in the middle, and I think I'm an ambivert. Uh, so, um, as you noted correctly, um, sometimes I can be introverted. So I like 
science and technology, like coding. Uh, I like writing poetry, which can be something more intro, uh, like an introvert would do. But also, um, I really love working with other people. I, I would usually spend time uh, with my friends or um, at my school rather than just in, in my room or being by myself. But I wouldn't describe myself as someone at either size of the spectrum. I'm some, somewhere in the middle. Uh, and as of playing with ideas, yeah, that's, that's really true. And uh, I even asked my friends, how would, this, how would they describe me? And so they mentioned that I'm, I have this energy and drive when I, I come up uh, constantly with ideas and um, I have a lot of them. And sometimes I just have to think uh, which ones will work, which ones won't. Uh, so it definitely uh, describes me. And um, I wouldn't say I'm, I'm less focused on the physical I think I'm more, yeah, I'm more focused on like ideas than being athletic. Diana, actually, that is really fascinating. And please take notes because I'm thinking of a few questions. One, that it seems to me that somewhere in the middle, which is you mentioned, will be a theme when speaking with you that in everything you'll be in the middle. And that relates to the, my next question which if you learn about the Colby test, which is the instinctive strengths assessment, in it you find that people generally, generally are either really project starters, but they're not good at finishing them, or project, project completers, but they like to join projects that are already started rather than come up with initiatives. But to me, one, you said that joy and fulfillment and happiness comes to you from completing. But it seems to me too, you start because you come up with ideas when you're walking in nature, etc., for your poems. But maybe through community service, you are more of the implementer or the completer of ideas that were created. I don't know. Please comment on this. This is one. Another, you said with your mom, she said, I see on your face, which now I'm thinking multiple guests, especially girls from Ukraine, they said that they grew up and they discovered that they have a very stoic, stern face, even if they're happy or full of emotions, they seem a bit serious. Um, and people from other countries, whether the U.S., or Western Europe comment like, what's wrong with you? You seem to be sad, but in reality, the person just has a poker face, the girl, and inside she's full of emotions. So since your mom said that, I imagine that you show a lot of emotions on your face, or is that more with your mom and people who are very close, but you resonate and relate to the serious face. And finally, you said, you're always full of ideas. You're thinking, is this gonna work? Is this not going to work? Well, one of the important things in life is to know how to prioritize. So to you, what are your thoughts on prioritizing ideas? Do you have a process for doing this? And if so, can you share it? Uh, thank you for these questions. Uh, so as, as to the first question, if uh, I'm an implementer or a creator, as you said, I think I'm more a creator, but uh, I, I'm trying as hard as I can to be an like a good implementer and always to bring and bring uh, all of my projects that I start to the end. 
Uh, but I, to be honest, I struggled with this sometimes because uh, I don't know how to choose like which which ones um, are are the best projects that I have to focus on and dedicate more of my energy to because I want to do everything and uh, it's very hard, it's impossible to do everything. It's impossible and very dangerous for my work and life balance. Uh, so that is something I struggle with. Although um, I would say I am a creator. Sometimes I have this urge, search of energy and I have uh, so many ideas, but then I have to stop and I make myself stop and think, so uh, how will I implement this? How, um, how will I implement that? And then some ideas, I just um, have to remove them or combine them with others to um, find something that will work perfectly for me. Um, and as to emotions, um, I would say I'm, I'm also not a very emotional person, but um, of course I don't have a poker face. I think uh, year, some two or three years, two years of living uh, in the US made me, uh, made me like this. And now I um, express my emotions more with my facial expressions. Um, and it's just, um, I don't know, I feel like that's really implemented me, affected me. And um, in Ukraine, um, that's true. Some people have like poker faces, uh, but it doesn't mean that they are uh, actually like, lifeless inside or they, they don't care or they look sad. Uh, but I didn't have uh, this problem in the US because I feel like I started acting more like American people do feel better even if I feel uh, and for the third question how I prioritize and as I said before uh, I think it's my challenge it's very hard for me to prioritize my ideas but um when I just come up with a lot of them I just make myself stop and I make myself think do I re do I really have time for this project do I really have time for this and uh, do I have enough resources if not uh, how can I find time or resources so um, and I of course I always prioritize uh, my education it's number one it's always number one and then I feel um, in my time with um, one or two community service projects which are very important to me but unfortunately I found that I just can't join everything and uh, do everything I want unfortunately but that's uh, that's the reality of life. Thank you very much there is a lot of things that I wish to ask about one before even asking I recommend to you there is a series of lectures by Richard Feynman on the character of physical law and he did them in 1964 at Cornell University and they're available online. I believe you will benefit a lot from watching them and thinking about them or even uh, taking notes and having thought because my next question is gonna be related to something like that he speaks about, but that I want to ask you about. Do you believe that life is probabilistic or deterministic? I don't remember which scientist said this, but I remember the quote clearly. He says, if something works 10 times, but the, and on the 11th, it doesn't work, then it's not science. Well, at the same time, if you think about chaos theory, and there is a Stanford lecture on this, which is a wonderful one you can even find on YouTube, that in reality, we live in a probabilistic world where everything is an approximation and there are no real 
deterministic, 1,000% proven ways to do things. And Yevdakia also spoke about that in her, uh, in her interview that she's looking for the thing that works 99.999% in life. Well, if you look at philosophy of science, such a thing doesn't really exist. Well, now to ask your opinion, do you believe that life is deterministic, not in a way that we're predestined, but that we can find hard and uh, fast and concrete cause and effect for things, or we just do the highest probability thing, but we don't really know? Because you spoke about, I don't know which project will be the best. Well, if you think in a probabilistic way, you cannot know which project is the best. But if you think in a deterministic way, you think, of course, I don't know how, but there is somehow some way to know which project is the best. So that's one. The second, you said you became a bit more American. Can you describe what that means? As well as the question is, do you feel American? Because another guest, which is Galina Boulard, who said after living in the US, she now feels she's American, but she happens to be living in Ukraine rather than a Ukrainian person who returned home. So let me know. Oh, that's a very uh, philosophical question about probabilistic or deterministic uh, life. Uh, so I would um, I, I would say that I uh, spent uh, a lot of time thinking about this before, and uh, as you said, while trying to figure out which uh, projects are the most valuable of my time and energy, but also of trying to uh, evaluate, like um, estimate. Um, the best uh, things I have to do in life, for example, when I had to decide if I should go on an exchange program or if I should go uh, to Miss Hall's school or maybe I should have stayed in Ukraine or went to Ukrainian university or applied to American university straight uh, from Ukraine. So sometimes I think we, we just don't know. And uh, maybe it would be better for me to stay in Ukraine or maybe not. Or it's just um, something that you don't know and um sometimes i try uh, i i find myself thinking what would happen if uh something went different way but then i try to stop myself and say that it's impossible to know because um something that already happened is already happened and we cannot change uh, the past so um i think life is more probabilistic so you you um evaluate what is best for you at this same moment and uh, based on your experiences or emotions or anything else what is the best for you like, that you feel would be the best but sometimes people have false um understanding of this for example uh, what something that seems uh, to be the best on one day is not something to be is that is the best on another day um so th that's that's why i would say um life is more probabilistic and in um in my in my case since i moved so much and took so many like difficult decisions for me um i think that i'll never know how my life would turn if i didn't uh decide that if i did something differently but I'm satisfied with my life right now. And I'm really glad I took those decisions. Uh, and also the question about becoming more American. Uh, I wouldn't say that I became um, like an American. I don't feel like myself as an American, but uh, instead I uh, really um, value my identity as a Ukrainian person. 
and uh, I feel myself more Ukrainian when I'm in the U.S. because I can. Um, I feel like I'm I'm one of the few people uh, who are Ukrainian in the U.S. Uh, from the from my school, for example, or from the town. Uh, I'm the first Ukrainian student in my school in many years, so many people didn't know much about my country. So I felt so proud uh, of being Ukrainian and sharing my culture and just when I told people about my country it's, it felt amazing uh, so I feel like um, I yes I um, became more accustomed to American way of life and traditions uh, and I understood that sometimes things that were very very strange and weird for me at first like I said with the American mentality uh, right now they're not it was strange anymore I just understand that that's how the the, the life is uh, there and it's not better and of course just different uh, so I, I think um, when I'm when I'm, when I'm in the U.S. I I miss Ukraine more but I also uh, very proud to be Ukrainian and share my culture with others Thank you. Great answers. And now I have to ask, because you said if you think what if, what if, you'd stop yourself. So are you someone who has a tendency to ruminate on negative thoughts and think about mistakes and worry somehow since you're a thinker? Or are you doing what Olympic athletes do, which is rehearsing positivity always imagining things going correctly and the right way, both to motivate yourself and to create somehow and somewhat of a self-fulfilling prophecy where in reality your expectation is shaping the life and what happens. That's one. And second, you lived in Ukraine for a while and some of the guests said that, for example, uh, Kate Komiliuk, that in what she noticed in the U.S., nobody comes to criticize her or tell her what to do in her life. But in Ukraine, and you spoke about how people don't understand that a decision can be good today and bad tomorrow or bad today and good tomorrow. She said that there is a cultural bias in Ukraine for people, even strangers, to come and try to tell you how to live your life and criticize you for mistakes and tell you what you should have done differently and just try to tell you how to live your life. Did you experience such a thing? Do you agree with it? Or if not, how did you either protect yourself or find a bubble and group of people who are in that way? Uh, so yeah, those, um, those are great questions. So uh, for the first one, do I worry? Yes. Um, sometimes I find myself captured in my thoughts, uh, sometimes and worries and uncertainties, but uh, I try to cheer myself up when this happens. And I'm, I'm surrounded by very, very optimistic and positive people like my family and my friends. Uh, I, they are always happy no matter what. Uh, and uh, they help help me when I feel I feel down or I feel sad. Uh, I also like um, even writing poetry, as I said, it really helps me become happier. And especially a lot of my poems are about finding joy in life and trying to appreciate every little thing 
and find uh, beauty in the nature and even in everyday things like um, going to school or to work every day and uh, seeing the same things every day, like having to take the same bus, the same subway, uh, go, go the same way. Um, so uh, that is something uh, that helps me uh, conquer my uh, like negative thoughts uh, or worries. Uh, and as to the second uh, about criticizing, I feel like, yeah, sometimes this happens in Ukraine um, and strangers or people like loosely related to you could uh, start to criticize you or give you some uh, advice that you never asked for. Uh, but I don't know, I didn't um, notice this as it as much because I try not to listen to um, such people and uh yeah i just understand that they can say have their own opinion but it doesn't matter to me uh, i just will do whatever i want to do uh, and especially uh, in case with my family as sometimes i have like older older relatives like my grandparents or like even like neighbors or aunts who want to like uh, teach me uh how to live or give some advice that i don't need uh, but uh, I understand this, that those are my family members, so such little things don't um, matter and they're not worth of um, having bad relationships with your family. But I felt like in America, I actually liked uh, the fact that people don't ask too many questions that are um, like too personal and they don't give advice when you need, don't need it. It's like um, at my school, if I have like a bad day, they would say, people say like, I'm sorry, or they try to cheer me up, but they will not uh, give me some advice or judge me for anything. And I also like uh, that at my school or in America in general, I'm not sure uh, about every, every state, but people uh, also will not judge your ideas. So even your, if your idea is not that great, uh, sometimes it's very hard to, to get honest feedback from them. Um, I don't, I've said sometimes it's not uh, really good for me because I'm trying to get honest feedback and people just don't want to hurt me. And I understand this, but still, I don't think it's worth and worth it. And um, honest feedback is very important. So it's, sometimes it's very hard to get it. Like um, even in class, when you're writing an essay and you want to get feedback from your teacher, but uh, your teacher just says everything, oh, everything is great, good job but you just want to um, find some ways to improve. And in Ukraine, I feel like uh, people give more honest feedback too. So it's a positive thing. So it's, uh, it's the same, just finding something that is not better, not what's just different, finding uh, in negative things, like uh, that strangers in Ukraine can criticize you, but they can also give you honest feedback and which will be more valuable than just uh, being nice or trying to satisfy you. I agree with you also. Kate Gomelyuk mentioned this. She said in Ukraine, they give you real feedback while in the US, just because she opens her laptop and writes something, they're like, great job, great job. And she's like, I need feedback to improve. And that's really, really cool. And I have to ask then a more philosophical question, which is this, in reality, being realistic about life and getting negative feedback turns out to be a huge demotivator for people. So in many ways, like living in the illusion that you're doing better than you are, which is the Dunning-Kruger effect, actually motivates you to keep going until you get 
good just through self-belief and confidence while negative feedback if it's too much it can grate your self-esteem and get to a demotivating level so even in sports psychology they found and this could be counterintuitive that if you believe even a wrong way that you're better than you are at something you tend to stay stick to it and do it for much longer which increases your skills and ability to perform while if you keep getting negative feedback after negative feedback you lose motivation and it's not even you it's your cortisol in your brain which will increase and try to stop you from doing the wrong thing just because of too much negative feedback but that's a more philosophical question that i would love your input on as well as look you seem to be independent i don't know whether this is correct or not you have lived alone whether through the flex program or now in miss hall's school can you speak about this were you always independent or did you have to learn and if so what was the most difficult part and which lessons did help you become more mature and a better person simply through being forced to be independent at a young age and finally a final question in this which is what will be your perfect future goal i don't know whether it could be winning the nobel prize curing like you mentioned before coronavirus but like cancer or something like that or is there a field or a sphere or a place or a problem that you would love to be involved with solving or be the one to solve for humanity yeah that's uh, actually a very good uh, philosophical topic about um, either being realistic or um, having more self-confidence uh, and I think this is actually uh, one of the biggest differences between education systems in the U.S. and in Ukraine. Uh, I feel like in Ukraine, I received a lot of like negative feedback from teachers, like at least much more negative feedback from teachers than I did in the U.S. And in the U.S., it's more uh, even if a student is not doing so great, teachers will try to um, to um, support them and say that they're doing great. Uh, just to motivate them to continue. Uh, and in uh, in Ukraine, even if you are the best student, still you will get negative feedback. And I think um, that is important to find the middle. Uh, when I was in some of the projects, we had peer review uh, evaluations. So what we did was trying to find a grow and a glow. So something first, something that your uh, student or someone did well uh, in some way that they um, did a great job but also um, they need to give you need to give them a grow or an area in which they can improve i think in this way um, students can see that um, they did well and they are uh, worthy of um of respect and of uh, of uh, being proud of themselves but also that they have other areas to grow for too and that they have to realize that there is no point at which you like master a skill because you can work your whole life and just to improve and learn and uh, become better um, as to um, if i was independent I don't think I was independent as a child. I think I was uh, very dependent on my parents and I felt so scared to leave home. I remember even um, when I went to flex program, I was only 15 
And before that, I felt so scared and I didn't know how it will go because first uh, I, I left I left for one year and I knew that I would not be able to come back like for holidays to Ukraine. And also because I didn't know where I was going until like a week before my departure. I didn't know uh, the family where I was going and I, I didn't even talk to them so much. I just knew like, like their names, like some basic information about them. We talked a little bit in Facebook, but that was all. Um, and I was scared. I didn't know how my life would go there. Um, so I was uh, terrified of going. But I was also very excited to see um, the United States. It was my dream to go there for a long time. And also, uh, I had a very, very good um, chance to meet people from another country and to see how they live. So what helped me was, uh, first of all, my host family and especially my host sister. She was also an exchange student from Flex from Poland. And we became very, very close, like real sisters. Uh, and um, we we like overcame our challenges together. We, uh, at first we were like our, um, we were friends uh, at school and at home. So we talked a lot and still uh, we are very close. I visited her last year before um, coronavirus. So we still talk and it's amazing to have a person like her. So I was very lucky to have someone uh, like my sister to, um, to, to have by my side when I was, was becoming more independent um but i know that many students didn't uh have this opportunity and this was actually my dream of having uh, another exchange student living in the same family so i was so lucky that this uh, like dream came true uh and as of a perfect future i don't have a specific goal uh, right now but um i want to continue my uh like philosophy of life and to implement it i want to help other people and if, and uh, the most important to share my knowledge with them i think that uh, if you have some knowledge or some skills you just have to share it with others you just can't uh, be greedy and have them uh just for yourself um you have to like spread the words and help other people um learn about it like uh like you do you're hosting this podcast and you're sharing knowledge with other people and um and helping them improve and uh, achieve their goals in life so i think this is um although i don't have a, like an exact picture of myself in like 25 years but this is something that is my absolute goal for life that i absolutely have to do Thank you so much for the kind words and you somewhat answered my next question, but I'm taking you deep into philosophy because you're very smart, so why not? Look, I was reading recently something, I don't know whether you know the myth of Sisyphus, who was punished by uh, rolling a boulder uphill in Hades or Hades or Hell, and at the end of the day, it will fall all down and he will start again, or what is called in philosophy, the unbearable automaticity of being, or the routine of repeating the day again and again and again and again forever. You mentioned two things. One, you mentioned that helping people gives you meaning, which is wonderful. And you mentioned that routine actually, and going through the bus and having a set expected things to do in your day calms your brain down and helps you feel better 
and think more positively and control more your emotions and thoughts. But let's go deeper. How do you deal with the fact that, like you said, a skill you can spend your whole life, even to the last day, and you'll never be perfect. And probably on the last day, you can be as busy as today or yesterday or tomorrow. So how do you think about the fact that life is a series of repetitive things that repeat again and again and again without any end and that maybe some people motivate themselves by saying oh when i get to that job or to that position then i will be happy but the reality is it's all the journey all the process and to me and i don't want to influence your answer it's about helping people sharing happiness in the world and creating meaningful moments and the more meaningful moments are created the more meaning there is to life but without meaning then life is simply just uh, the unbearable automaticity of every day and the next and the next what is your perspective on this or did you not think about it because probably you're still in a phase where you look in your life about the thing you don't know what will happen next because you're changing so much so everything is exciting um yeah it's uh actually true because um i feel like right now everything is exciting exciting for me because i'm this time in my life uh when i'm ending high school and then i'll go to college and explore more fields and uh this year i took on new hobbies so it was really great and i know that um even when someone gets like the the job of their dreams and um thinks that there is not nowhere to go beyond that there is always a, a way to go and a way to improve and um learning just never ends even if you become like the best doctor in order to maintain your uh, reputation as the best doctor you have to learn constantly learn and improve yourself and learn about new developments in medicine um, because if you don't do that you'll just lose your status as a great doctor uh, the same goes for everyone the same goes for um, for um, lawyers for they have to know new like laws that are created or repelled it is the same for um entrepreneurs for writers for anyone uh, and it's also important to interact with other people and see how they um how they um overcome overcame their challenges how they share their knowledge and also what they did in the past so like to analyze it and to see what you can do with with this uh, with this knowledge and those skills. Uh, so how, how do I motivate myself to go, uh, even though I know that I'll never reach this point of my dreams? I, I don't know. I just uh, try to enjoy every day and I try to enjoy um the process of um, working and uh, living, but also I try to enjoy the end point of my small goal. So like, as I said, when I finish a small project, I feel very happy, but it doesn't mean like my, uh, my um, community service um, initiatives are all finished. No, that just means that one of them is finished, but it's just one step on my way uh, to other projects. So, and as of uh, speaking of the routine, sometimes I feel like, um, yeah, my days are sometimes very similar or the same, but also 
I try to find uh, great things in life, like being with my friends or family. And I, I actually started noticing them because I lived in two countries. Like in one, uh, living in Ukraine, I miss my friends at school. I miss being there right now to the coronavirus. But also when I'm at school, I miss my family in Ukraine. I miss uh, the people. I miss traditions. I miss everything. Thank you. And I agree with you 1000%. It's what's called in science, the winner effect, where the more you celebrate the small progress and achievements on the way to a goal, the happier you'll be, the more satisfied, the more you'll notice the small things and the more meaning will be to life. Mm -hmm. Wonderful, Diana. So to end this, which could go on for a long, long time, I want to ask you, if you were thinking about some piece of advice or something that you began to realize in your mind lately, what would that advice be? Maybe you can share it with the listeners so that they benefit, as well as if people want to learn about your work, about the upcoming book, uh, connect with you and maybe speak with you, which are the best links to do so? Yeah, uh, so... Um... I would say my my advice um, that I'm thinking of right now was actually not my words, but the words of my teacher from uh, my school in Minnesota when I left um, loved the state and I had to go uh, back home to. I uh, came to him and I just wanted to say goodbye. And he told me one piece of advice that was very uh, transforming for me and it's still important until now. He says that you can learn from anyone and it doesn't matter uh, what kind of person it is. So their, their reputation, their class, their uh, gender, anything, it doesn't matter. You can learn something from anyone. Uh, and I think it's a very, very wise words. And um, I was very uh, lucky that um, I met so many people at both uh, my schools in um in Minnesota and in Miss Halls. And I also met so many different people uh, at um, conferences for exchange students and different meetups. So this is uh, something that uh, I try to base my life on, to always to listen to um, everyone and to respect their opinion and to try to learn from them. Even if it's someone uh, who you don't interact with so much, you can find some valuable from them and something uh, that uh, this person does better than you and maybe you can even gain some inspiration or valuable skills or advice from this person. So this uh, makes me explore the world and gain new connections and just um, see how, how wonderful people can be. Uh, and also I'm very um, excited to connect with new people and uh, I'm open to new connections and to new projects. So it's best to contact me uh, on LinkedIn and uh, I think you have my profile so can you, you can share it. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure and I enjoyed this conversation and I wish you a great day. Thank you. I really enjoyed um, talking to you and it was a great experience.